Blog Talk Radio. I was planning on doing the show outside my backyard from my hammock, but it's too damn cold. There's actually, when I woke up this morning, my daughter showed me there was actually snowing. I don't know when old man Winter's going to get the hell out of here and go somewhere else and bring fun summer in here, but or at least spring. I mean, I'm just hoping for spring at this point. No more snow. But we're inside today in the studio talking to people. And today we got a special guest. His name is Mark Zeus. I met Mark um, through working on the Tulsi campaign. Tulsi Gabbard's run for president a while back. Best damn person I knew me president, but enough, enough people didn't think that themselves, so she's not running anymore. I think I actually heard about him for a, a woman named Jill Carr who also met through the campaign. And Mark <clears throat> was doing a lot of work on the campaign, helping trying to get Tulsi in the White House. Well, after the campaign, he I started – look at him and notice he's a musician and a songwriter and a great guitar player and I decided to listen to one of his songs and the first song I heard was this song I'm about to play for you called Can't Touch This and it puts a, vi- a spin almost a romantic love story notion on this idea and this where we can't be sick, we have to be six feet away from each other, we can't touch each other. And I thought it was a really unique way of doing it, a touching way to do it. And I've really gotten into Mark and his music now. I don't even think he knows this, but I tune into a lot of his concerts when I can. Um, and just love what I'm hearing from him more and more. So I, before I pull him on, I want to play this song for y'all and so y'all can hear it. So here is Can't Touch This. It's just my luck I just fell in love 
With the very same woman I've always been dreaming of But the thing I hate This was a perfect date Until the man in blue said you're both just gonna have to wait You can't touch this I can't touch that can't even run my fingers through your long blind hair You can't even touch my hat And if you get too close I don't know what I'd do Cause baby you can't touch me And I can't touch you Let's just say 
we always have those moments in our lives when, when they're special moments. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, w- when you have limitations <clears throat> put on you in a special moment, whatever it might mm-hmm. be, um, you know, it's timing in life. Timing is everything in life. So all of a sudden, what you know, I just thought about it is to say, hey, I met the woman of my dreams in a time when, when I can't even touch her. Um, so it's kind of like, and, and where, where, where do you go from there? Now we have to wait out a, uh, a situation where they, they tell us it's okay that we can touch each other. So it gets to be into, it starts to bring in some of the, the thoughts of when is this going to happen and why is this, you know, when is the uh, opening going to happen when we're going to be able, oh, I can touch you now, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, so it's um, just you know we're all in this situation, so it's got it's 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 unprecedented that we're stuck here in a way, and it seems so like I like I was mentioning before I think we got on on uh, uh, online is that you know we're living in an Orwellian world right now, and yep. most most people know what that means, some don't. Maybe younger people don't have to read 1984 for their, uh, you know, English lit classes or whatever. A lot of stuff they don't let kids read this day. Yeah, yeah. And vice versa, too. So, I mean, yeah. back in the day, too. But uh, anyway, yeah, so I'm just uh, just thinking about that whole situation of where we're at right now. And, 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 and you know, uh, watching people protesting against not being able to socialize with, you, with each other. Um, yeah brings a lot of questions and then you have the other the other side saying look at these look at these crazy assholes out in out in the street protesting against that and yeah. everybody should be separated and there there will there will come a time i mean most people are on the side of hey we got to get rid of the virus so we have to not socialize we can't touch each other where it's mm-hmm. going to get to be where there's going to be the zealots saying no you know we we need to not touch each other for another, another year or two and, or you know what I mean? So there's going to be the elders. So we we've already picked the left and right to this. Um, yeah, I mean, I was talking to a, a a guest about this the the other day, and I was saying the longer it goes, the more it's going to be. <clears throat> when is it going to be? You know, protecting life versus protecting your well-being, right? Going out and being able to put food on the table and do the things you need to do, because the longer it goes, it gets harder, and that. That that the bouncing those two gets tough to do, and I noticed that as people's attitudes are changing. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's like we everybody kind of gets it. I think most mm-hmm. people get it. You know, some people don't get it at all. Uh, you know, yeah, we are trying to do this. You know, if if we if we decide to not do anything about this, this thing will take hold and it'll 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 destroy a lot of lives. It'll it'll kill a lot of people where we're trying to limit that amount. But if yeah. you go, I mean, if, if you think about it, I, I, I had a friend, I, I think it was on Facebook, I love to comment, that, um, you know, I thought about it, and it's kind of like, you know, because people aren't driving as much and we're not traveling and, and that a lot less people are dying from car accidents, uh, getting hit by buses, whatever it is, you know, I mean, people aren't out. So, so it makes me think, it says, well, why don't we just stay this way? Why don't, because less people will die if nobody drives, if nobody, mm-hmm. you know, so let's just make sure that we set up the world so everybody works from home, everybody's like some, so the, so the police will be out there making sure that nobody drives, 
have mm-hmm. to stay in your houses. You can only you can only travel when you when when it's absolutely necessary. You have to carry your papers. You have to carry your your uh, uh, vaccination uh, certificate, mm-hmm. which they're talking mm-hmm. about right now. I, there, there's talk about that as well. So from a libertarian wow. side of it, you know, there's there's a lot of questions. Civil liberties that with civil liberties, I mean, freedom. There's a cost for freedom, and. Yep. Uh, yep. And that, that's true. And not being safe is one of them. So. Well, um, I want to say I like I said at the beginning, I have heard so many things about the coronavirus, but they all sort of put it in a comical way, and you put a spin on it like that nobody I've heard that's done. And I hope more people start playing your song because it makes it a little more deeper. And I don't know, it's kind of like a, a romantic thing to it. I felt like you had that song a little bit. And it, it's just a good thing. And um, yeah, it's, know, it's, I, I, it's a special moment because love songs are a special moment in time, right? I mean, you talk about it. Hey, you know, this this is the moment I we I just fell in love with you, and I, and you, you know, you talk about whatever it needs to do to to reinforce that. So it, mm-hmm. here's a special moment in time in a in a weird time in the in the world. So uh, are you married? Hey. <laughs> I'm you not married? married. No, no, no I'm not married. What's kind so of tough I'm just doing um, all the stuff you do? Say it again. It's kind of. I mean, you probably have a pretty crazy schedule. Marriages are tough. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it goes from you know, actually the crazy schedule I had is when I when I was running the running the bar, the Americana, because I was yeah, working six seven bit. days. Yeah, oh, uh, it was a. Yeah. Um, just briefly, uh, I mean, I'm in the been in the music scene here in Houston for almost 20 years, and I had a whole career in Chicago, and I still keep connections over there. So yes, yeah, so I have I have a musical career that I go. But along the way, I looked at the Houston scene, and I said, you know, we need a venue for local musicians to have a place to to network and and have events, and and you know, there are there are bars here and there are little things, but but something that's more dedicated to developing the scene here and also other arts too. I encourage people to bring in some artwork and, and, uh, you know, we did some poetry, we did different things. Um, but mostly centered around music because I'm a musician. So, and, and so that I I put, I got, eventually got it together. I tried to raise money. I'm not a rich guy. I'm actually a fairly uh, working class background and all that. So, Hey, you know, I, I I did what I could to get it out there. We opened up, opened up a place. I had a few people helping me out, but it was pretty much un, under my financial, you know, backing, and so which was meager. But uh, so I, you know, I took I took out, I got into debt and all that. So eventually, wasn't able to get out of debt, and the bills needed to be paid. I didn't have the money, so, so you know, we were open for almost three years, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot all of great people came through there. Uh, well, it was mainly, we called it the Americana, so it was American roots music, folk, okay, okay. blues, country, uh, some some roots rock and roll, and, and uh, you know, different, you know, if, if it was home homebred kind of music, um, it was it, it was included. And, and you played uh, too? Yeah, so, pardon me? You, you played, you did some sets too and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I fit myself in. I was, I was, you know, I was the guy who would fill in if somebody didn't show up, or mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I participate in a few things too there. But, but you know, having that environment, and I was bartending too, and I was having the 
fix stuff and I was having to, you know what I mean? You know, I did brick and mortar business. Um, mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. constantly having, it, it wasn't a new building either. So we, there was repairs and uh, plumbing and electric and whatever else. So, uh, and you you had to play it, put on a different hat, right? You've been a musician, so you had to play a, a different role altogether there, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I brought a lot of things because I'm also a sound engineer. I worked full time as a sound engineer for, oh, you for several okay. years, and uh, so I brought that into it. So we you know, we had a house PA that was you know great. It was a good sounding room, so a lot of people really loved the room, and it was a good, great place to play. So I mean, you know, bringing all the talents together that I had. And bringing some other people involved with it to help out too, and and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, wound up being a great thing. It might it might happen again if 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 somebody wants to come up and fi- finance it. Um, yeah. You know, we'll see. But right right now, I'm just focusing on trying to get back to being a real musician. So. <laughs> well, you're doing a good job with that, and and you started out in Chicago, I think you told me. Yes, I'm, I'm born and raised in Chicago. Spent a lot of years playing. Um, the bars on Lincoln Avenue and and uh, beyond. Um, How long have you been playing the, the guitar? Uh, probably 50, 40, 50, 45 years, something like wow. that. Wow. You played yeah. when you were a kid? Yeah. Pretty young? Yeah, kind of when I was a kid. Yeah, I started, actually started uh, um, hmm. on violin, taking some violin lessons oh, from a guy that, yeah, a guy that used to actually, it was kind of an interesting story. This guy lived way on the south side of Chicago in Blue Island, Chicago. Uh, Blue Island is the suburb, southern suburb of Chicago. And if you know Chicago, it's a long kind of city up along the lake. And uh-huh. I lived on the northwest side. But this guy would take actually take the bus from Blue Island uh, on the south, way on the south side. So we're talking about an hour and a half bus ride to get to our neighborhood. And he, I think he had two or three students, and uh, he would just, you know, he, he was willing to take me on. So I guess he saw something when he came by. Uh, but he was a, uh, his name was Mr. Reader. I forgot his first name. Um, mm-hmm. He he was uh, he used to play in the Chicago Symphony, and then he had retired, and he kind of dedicated himself to just, you know, being part-time going up and trying to teach students. And uh, I took violin from him for about three years. It was probably when I was about oh. eight years old. My yeah, daughter about eight years too. old. She's played for three years, so. Ah, yeah. I mean, as it turns out, he he looked at me and says, you know, like yeah, you you know you you need to learn keyboard because that kind of teaches you more to portal stuff mm-hmm. and all that. So he put me on piano for a year or so, and um, so I started into that. That we had a piano at the house, so I started banging on piano a little bit. And then high school came, and it was kind of like it was Saturday mornings when he would come there. And uh, it was in high school, Saturday mornings was football, freshman football team. <laughs> so I joined the freshman football team, and I kind of dropped taking lessons. Uh, oh. Which, what, what you know you what I mean? So you, I had to make a decision. <laughs> uh, and, and I played all different kinds of positions, uh, mostly yeah. on the offensive side. But uh, – and then I wound up coaching football for eight are, years in, in high school you? later on. Oh, wow. That was later on. Oh. Yeah. But I picked up guitar in high school. I, uh, my brother my brother just played a little bit, and he had a guitar hanging around the house. So I would pick up his guitar and, you know, learn three chords and start writing songs and, and all that. So that was probably when I was about 12, 13. And then I hit high school, and I was playing a bunch in high school. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Do you, do you watch the parties in high school? Do you watch football? Do you watch football? You oh yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a football yeah. fan, and you know, like I, you know, I, like I said, I'm st- was a student of the game. I've coached for eight years. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know mainly on the lower levels in high school, freshman, sophomore in high school. And yeah, uh, I don't know when we're that was that was back in the late '80s, mid 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 '80s through the early '90s. Uh-huh. So it's quite a while. Quite a while and ago. You, I was doing so, and you had the two a days in the heat because I played a little bit. I remember the two a days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, uh, they they're a little different now. They're understanding that that stuff like that was not really that healthy for people to. Yeah, to, yeah. They had a couple things have gone wrong on that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you figure about it, you know, military, military goes to like, you know, you go to boot camp and military and it's, it's, it's hell. I I, I was never in the military, but it was, you, you can liken it to kind of being in the military for a couple of weeks and, and doing, mm-hmm. go, going through all like a boot camp if you do two mm-hmm. days in football and that. But uh, the thing about military is, yeah, you go through hell for six weeks or whatever they, they give it to you, um, you know, and then you go into a regular regiment from there and you're in, you know. But, uh, but, you know, doing that year after year, you know, like every year, every summer doing that in the middle and the heat and stuff like that consistently, I don't know if it helps you in your, your athletic, you know, abilities or, you know, your ability to, to play, you know, it makes it tough. But I don't know. I think it drains your strength a lot, too. So there, there's a lot of thought of kind of like making sure that you don't overdo it with, with the athletes nowadays. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm having, I don't know, I'm having a tough time with no sports on TV. Pretty much, ESPN is putting the ultimate horse competition. If that's not the biggest oxymoron <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. I don't know what is. Hey, you got to, yeah, I, you know, hey, I, I don't feel sorry for uh, ABC. So, whatever, <laughs> we are all going through a hard time. So is ABC. Yeah, no, and, uh, I, I just liked watching sports. It's just good, yeah. it's a good um, release, and it's a good thing like music of bringing people together, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I I guess, you know, I'm uh I don't have cable, so I you know, I'm I'm not that you know, right now on on the on the eight eight or nine channels that I get, you know, mm-hmm. on my rabbit ears. Uh okay. no sport. There's there's zero sports, you know, so yeah. You deal with it. I wish you yeah, I mean, I'm a baseball fan too. I'm an old Cubs fan, so uh yeah, I like to occasionally this is the time of year you know, you get through your life, you get used to, hey, in the summer, watch a little baseball. In the fall, you got football and uh, and all that. And the, they, you adjust, and like I said, you live in, live in a world that's dealt to you. So. Yeah, it's interesting, though. But we are. So I, I started playing the guitar a little over a year ago, maybe a year and six months ago. And it's probably shouldn't pick it up when you're past 50, probably not the best time to start. But I really like oh, it, I, but it's got – that's yeah. the hardest thing I've ever but, done in my life. Yeah, it's it. You know, uh, it depends on your approach and what you what you're doing it for. I also teach guitar. I've, oh, I've, I've taught full time as a guitar teacher, um, uh-huh. and I've had a lot a lot of a lot of adult students. You know, starting in their you know whatever it is, thirties, forties, and even fifties, and uh-huh. uh, and. You know, it's it's if you approach it saying, "Hey, I'm, I want to be this professional guy," so if you want to do that, then then there's like I said, there's a boot camp involved. There's a yeah. you you know you really have to you kind of like take take 
six months out of your life and forget about just about everything else and, and really woodshed, you know, a deep woodshedding period that you need to go through. Whereas if you want to just do it for kind of fun and, and you want to learn it right, but you don't necessarily need to get to any level, uh, yep. then, then, then you, you go with that mindset and you, you approach it saying, Hey, I just want to have some fun. I want, this is interesting. It's like, some people are good with puzzles that, you know, they like to figure out puzzles yep. and that's what guitar playing would be. It's kind of like, Oh, this is how I make that sound. This is how this, uh, these chords okay. work. So you, you can look at it from that set, uh, side too. I mean, each individual student has a way of learning. Um, and so you find the individual differences between people and how they, how they're, they're going to accept that and, and figure it out. Well, and, so. and, and, Playing guitar, a little, you know, I've learned it, it gives me a much bigger appreciation for what you do in your music, because you don't when you do when you just like I grew up going to concerts my whole life, hundreds of concerts, and you love the guitar playing, but you don't really get it like the fact the way you have you know the pressure you have to put on the strings and the way you have to strum. There's so many things you have to do at the same time that to you are probably second nature, but that shit is hard. Right. It, it it is not right. easy, and just getting the right sound out of the chord, even if you have your fingers, they have to be perfect. I just have such an appreciation for that now that I never had um, to go through. And the, the thing I'm struggling with now, my teacher trying to get me to do is count. I'm really struggling with the count. I don't know if you you do the counting, but I, I'm struggling getting that. Oh down. yeah. All right, that's that's all part of it. Music, there's there's two there's two things you need to learn to to be able to execute any kind of musical instrument, is you need to understand the the melody and harmony side of it uh-huh. with the relationship between the pitches and the notes, and then you have to get the timing because music is put in time. It's not it's it's not a, it's not paint, painting on the wall. It, yeah. it exists in time. It start there's a start to the song and then two minutes later it's over three minutes later so there's all that that timing that you need to 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 achieve the the so meter I, and rhythm. I, so I was listening to you play a while a couple of nights ago on a um, Facebook Live thing. I think you were in a tent with two or three other guys, and you played mm-hmm. a song called "Digging Digging on You." Oh you know oh, um, oh oh yeah yeah that's it's called "Watch You Move." Okay. Yeah, watch so your moves. The name of that song. You. It's like a boogie. It's a it's a boogie tune. It's a, it's one of the songs when I when I when I moved to Texas. It's kind of like I need to write a Texas boogie song, man. Kind and that's, of, you know, that's your like song, a, right? Yeah. So I want yeah, to play that for move. the listeners. I I did a little recording of it. Do you mind if I play that real quick? And oh yeah, no, no, go for it. Yeah, go okay. for it. Yeah. I'm gonna play that real quick. Okay. Sounds good.
best quality, but I wanted to get that song on there. I yeah, you, you actually took it right off of the Facebook Live thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I basically held my phone up to the thing as oh, okay. as I could the speaker and then converted it because I wanted the listeners to hear your music and just the cool vibes and, and your, the lyrics and that growl and your voice and all that cool stuff because – you know, we can talk about this stuff to we're blue in the face, but to actually hear your music, that's where the magic is, I think. Yeah, so yeah, I, mean, and I, I do. I obviously do a lot of studio. Yeah, I do a lot of studio recording, and I think you've heard a bunch of my studio stuff and and all that. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's different levels of of uh, you know something. There's something beautiful about a rough recording of of, a, of an old Texas boogie song, and. Uh, you know what I mean? There's just like that real raw kind of sound to it. Um, yeah. Sometimes that's sometimes sometimes that's appropriate, and other times, you know, you want to get in the studio and really, really pretty it up and and uh, get out, get everything exactly right. And, and uh, so, we always, as a musician, you're always kind of like, yeah, there's something beautiful about the live experience, but it's never going to be pure and perfect unless you're the Eagles or something, you know. And the and, and the guys that you were in that Facebook live with, seems like you know those guys pretty well. You play. Oh with yeah, them? Th- those are guys that I that I, that I work with here. As you know, when we play with our the band Thunderbolts down in here in Houston. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, that's the guitar player, bass player, and then there's there's a drummer, and different people have been involved with that project over the years. Um, and, how, uh, how, how Wayne, the guy that, with them. Well, Wayne, the guitar player, I've known him for probably 25 years, even before I moved to Houston. Uh, oh, wow. I used to come down here and perform. So I met him through another performer, Ken Gaines. And Wayne and Ken are a, a duet for, for longer than I've known Wayne and, and Ken. Uh, uh-huh. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's like one of those things where I met through him, and then he started playing in my band. <clears throat> Wayne's the kind of guy who plays with five, six different people down here. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's, he fits in easily. He's real smooth and kind of fits in the situation. So, but, uh, uh-huh. and then John, John, the bass player I met in another band I was playing with when I first moved down here. And, uh, so he's been playing with me on and off for 20 years. So yeah, those guys I know very well. They're good friends. Well, and like we talked about before, music brings all kinds of walks of life and ages and demographics and political perspectives and everything you can imagine you don't know this, but that's what my radio station is all about, trying to unite through our humanity rather than divide through all these differences we have. And that music is one thing, so that's kind of why I wanted to have you on here, you know, to talk about that stuff and show your music. And I wanted to uh, um, ask you, um, I know that you were about to go out on tour, right, when this virus hit, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was about to go out. I had about a two-week uh, power tour up through the Midwest, and it's something I like to do. And you know, but when before I had the club, I would, you know, drive up to Chicago and try to stop a couple places along the way. And I had a bunch of work up in the Chicago area. Um, mm-hmm. This time, I was able to get get a gig in Memphis. I had a couple extra gigs in Central Illinois that I never had. Uh, and then coming back around, I was going to stop in Kansas City, and I was working on some stuff on the back end when all this went mm-hmm. down. Uh, so yeah, so it all you know it was a, a disappointing. Uh, th- I, you know, I hadn't been out because I had the club. So it's been mm-hmm. almost it's been three years since I've been out on the road, and uh-huh. uh, 
so yeah, so I'm, I'm ho- hopefully going to salvage and tr- try to get. I know a couple of the places definitely want want me to come back and perform when I get the opportunity. The other ones were just, hey, it, it, you know, the the opportunity came up and uh, I got the gig. I don't know if I'll be able to be able to get that gig again. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that that happens. I mean, that's the that's the thing about you know if you are a full time musician, uh, you can't take it for granted that that this is going to be, you know, your way of life for, for the duration, you never, you, things like this, this isn't the only kind of thing that, that might happen. I mean, things cancel for various reasons, uh, yeah. clubs close. So it isn't like you punch the clock and go and you got your one job. The good thing is that you can look at it as like you got a bunch of part-time jobs. One gig cancels, no big deal. Two gig cancels, no big deal. You know, and that's what the way you, and then you try to find something to fill those holes, but, uh, you know, but, but all of a sudden, all your all all your places that you work close at the same time, and that's what we have. This is like it's unprecedented for many reasons. Yeah, uh, and and I'm noticing, um, and I'm sure you noticed this. There's a lot of great music, a lot of you know famous people uh, who are huge stars on my, online with having these little concerts. Which is really cool, but what I've been trying to encourage my friends to do is check out the people you know that don't have it made in the shade with music, but play great music like you and support what you're doing. Check out your shows on these Facebook lives or wherever it is, and try to support what you're doing because this is a tough time on people like those people like you know Coldplay or whoever it is, they'll be fine go they have lots of money, but all these people that don't have all don't have the huge concert shows and stuff. I think it's important, right. you know, we support those people, you know, because they're a lot yeah, of people. Uh, yeah, and, and it has to be, you know, uh, the beautiful thing about the Internet is that it is a network. It's um, yeah. you have the opportunity to network out. Uh, I mean, getting a little bit political is that there's a there's a there's a concept of net neutrality that mm-hmm. that a lot of us in the progressive side. And as well on on the civil liberties uh, conservative side too, want to want to make sure that the internet is open to everybody equally, so yeah. that we have yeah. the network. We're open to so we so I can freely network my music out through my contacts, and they can freely network uh, whatever the links and and whatever and and access the websites. If you go to yeah. a search engine, you search Mark Seuss. Um, the first thing that should come up is MarkSeuss.com, you know, which uh-huh. is my website that everybody should take down and go visit if they get a chance. Okay. But so, you know, what I'm saying is, is, and it's already changing with the, with the, with the, with the movement now or the, the current uh, administration coming in and saying uh, they, that they want big business to, to regulate this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you're already seeing that the, the, the number of ads. The first thing, if you Google something, all of a sudden you have something that's kind of related, but not. And they're the first thing because they paid for that that advertising up front. Um, mm-hmm. There's too much of that going on now. And then just in general, they want to be able to bury you and have you have you pay to belong to that top tier. Yep. Um, yep. I know of, about of the that. Search yeah. Right. Sure. So so that. That all goes along with what we're talking about because the, the little guys aren't going to be able to pay that fee, you know, that significant fee that it's going to take to get yourself, you know, you know, it's kind of like the little guy selling hot dogs on a corner versus the Denny's, 
you know, Denny's yep. is going to be able to afford to pay because they're a corporate entity and on the internet, they, they have locations, they have thousands of locations. You just yep. have one or two locations as a small business guy selling hot dogs here. You're not going to be, people are going to go, well, let's just say, let's say breakfast, you know, breakfast places. Uh-huh. So they got a little pop pop breakfast place. Denny's is going to show up and they're going to dominate Denny's and, and, and IHOP and wherever else, all these big boys that are doing it. Where you as the little guy, you can be. It could be the guy that's in your neighborhood that's googling where to, where to, where should I go get breakfast? Yeah. And they're gonna, you know, the, the internet's gonna send you to Denny's when you're like two blocks away. Um, yeah. So yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's the, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we want to support that net net neutrality. So you know, if I if there's and people don't think about it because, oh, big deal, so it's the Internet. You know, like it's it's this weird concept. People don't even know what the concept means, you yeah. know. That's true. It's, it's very fuzzy. So yeah. I was going to try to play one of your – another a studio song you did, and it seemed like it would be good to play Who Makes the Rules right now. That's it, man. Yeah, I thought that would be a good one for for these days right now for what we're going right, through. Let, let's play that right now, and we can talk a little about it once once it plays. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Always a fool 
Well, uh, let me see stories of the road. I mean, the stories of gigs, you know, being on stage and different. Uh, we used to play here. Here's a, here's one that was, was kind of a crazy fun one was uh, um, during the 1984. We're talking 1984. Well, a, lot, mm-hmm. we're, a, lot, a lot of conversation about that lately. But this is, it happened to be a year. Uh, during 1984, I remember it for many reasons. Uh, my my dad passed away on St. Patrick's Day of 1984. Uh-huh. Uh, Steve Good Steve Goodman passed away in the fall of, of 1984. One of my influences. Uh, I went back to school in 1984 after my dad passed away. I decided to go back to college and oh, wow. and uh, but I was also yeah I also played a gig. Um, probably the craziest gig of my life was uh, Chicago in in Chicago. There's Wrigleyville. Which is right near where Wrigley Wrigley uh, Stadium is, mm-hmm. um, and c- Caddy Corner to the bleacher section of Wrigley Field is a place called Murphy's Bleachers. It's uh, mm-hmm. not quite Caddy Corner; it's like right across the street, but right mm-hmm. near the bleacher section where you enter through the back. And uh, I went to a game early in the year, like a, like an early April or early May game. And I, I was walking by there, and there was, you know, it was a half-full stadium. I think Cubs won, but, you know, it was early in the year, so we didn't know if they were going to do any any good or not. And uh, with a buddy of mine, we're walking by Murphy's Bleachers, and I, I hear bluegrass music playing, like some, mm-hmm. you know, a real hot bluegrass. I, wow, this is great. Let's go in there. And it wound up being some friends of mine that played the same bar, because I used to play a place called Clearwater Saloon, which was a uh, – it kind of place, shit-kicking place that did country, bluegrass, blues, and all that stuff. But a real great place, iconic place in Chicago. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, this guy, Greg Cahill from Special Consensus. And they're still around, actually. But, um, and, you know, I went up to him and I was talking to him. Hey, this is a great gig and stuff. You know, he said, yeah, you know, but we're not going to be able to keep this gig. Because he had it like every, they're going to play after every game, you know. Oh, wow. And they said, so they said, here. You know, you want to take the gig, you know, we, we, we got to do festivals. We go out and on the road and do festivals during the summer. And I said, well, okay, let me see if I can put a band together for this. So I, so I you know, turned around and called some friends of mine, put a, put a hot band together. And we wound up playing like after every Cubs game through that 1984 season. Uh, 1984 was the year that the Cubs made the playoffs. Like it had been like 40 oh, really? since 1945. So you're talking how many years? 40, 50 years, they hadn't even made postseason play. And it was like, at the, you know, before it used to be just you won the National League, you didn't go to playoffs, you just went to the World Series. So, uh-huh. I mean, they finally got in, but they never made the playoffs. So they finally made the playoffs in 1984. And it was a great season, man. It was like people were crazy. And uh, I remember one time, there's a bunch of stories from, from that time, but the one time is that it got so crowded, the beer garden started to get so, so, so crowded that they had to put us up on the roof of the bar, kind of playing down into the, into the beer garden because there was just no room to put the band anymore. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's the wind, it's the windy city. So, um, you know, it's like, like the wind started whipping and whipping around up, up on top, top of that roof there. And, all of a sudden, the wind caught one of our mic stands, kind of blew it off into the crowd, and some guy was holding a pitcher of beer under there, and, 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 and the mic just kind of came and bunked him on the head, bunk, and he didn't know what the heck hit him. He had no idea, 
and he's just keeping and so he just wanted he kept he just kept kept drinking his he had a pitcher, he drinking from the pitcher. Anyway, uh so and then we had the reel, so we were up there where if, if you know the mic the mic's on a cord and, and stands so we uh-huh. reeled the whole thing and pulled pull it up. So back uh, in the day, cords, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, and there's a bunch of crazy situations you can imagine in, in a wild environment. Um, and it, Wrigleyville had been always a wild, wild place to be, anyway. And, and what was uh, the band then? What was the name of your band then? The band, they, yeah, the, we called it the Bleacher Creatures. Bleacher Creatures. We were... <laughs> <laughs> I can see why you remain single with all those kind of crazy stories, man. I, I remain single as long as I could. <laughs> Oh yeah. man, that sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a great it was a great year. I'm in a lot lot of cool. Uh, I I was working with some really really great musicians, and uh, I've been lucky enough to, you know, I, I'm I'm actually I always consider myself most famous for never knowing anybody famous because I've never really met or got to be friends with anybody famous. Everybody drops names. I don't have any names to drop. I mean, I like, like Steve Goodman was a hero of mine, but I never met him. I saw him once, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I, but, but through his recordings and over the years, I play his stuff and, you know, John Prine and all the people that were big in Chicago during mm-hmm. that time. I knew, I knew guys that played in his band, that kind of stuff. You know, I was friends with so a couple of guys in his band. Was in Chicago? Yeah, John Prine grew up in Maywood, Illinois, which is not too far from where I grew up on the, oh, on the west side of Chicago. I, I know he recently died. I just didn't. I don't know much yeah. about him. Yeah, he was a he was a postman in Maywood, Illinois. That was his like first job coming out of the army, from what I hear. Oh. I don't know if his first job, but one of you know that's where he got wound up being. And uh, and he started hanging around the Earl of Old Town, which was a a, a, a class a classic bar. Um, mm-hmm on the near north side of, of Chicago. And, uh, yeah, he started hanging around there. He, he met Steve Goodman. He met, uh, you know, Bonnie Kolak was, was, was hot around then. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people, the Holstein brothers. And, you know, you go down the line of, of great folk scene, 50s and 60s folk scene in Chicago uh, that a lot of people gravitated to. Uh-huh. Like even some of the people from Tin Pan Alley and all the people that hung around New York, they always come through Chicago and hang out in Chicago. John Denver used to, I think he lived oh, really? in Chicago for a short period of time. He used to hang out with, because he was Chad Mitchell, Mitchell Trio. Um, uh-huh. For That's how he got he got started. Um, but anyway, I never knew any of those. I never knew any of the famous people. I know a lot about the history of, of Chicago folk, but, and, uh, and in Texas here, I really never met anybody really real famous down here. Uh, so, so, but anyway, that's... Any... go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Now, I was just gonna say, do you do you have any Facebook Live things coming up? I can get the viewers to tune in into. Uh, yeah, I'll do one next week. Um, uh, you know, if you if if people want to, they they could go like Mark Zeus fans page, and I'll make sure okay. I. I'm going to try to get better about making sure I, I post everything that's happening over there. Then you'll get, if you'll see it on your feed, you can yeah, go to markzeus.com and sign up on my email list if they, if you want as well. That's good. So my last question is, have you always played the same kind of music or you just been driven to what you're doing now or before did you do different kind of stuff? Yeah. Like, well, well, uh, you know, back when I started playing in Chicago, I would 
I would play if if I was to do covers. I you know I always wrote wrote music and it was very eclectic. But I you know we I pick up a lot of stuff like Eagles, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and and uh, Neil Young and and uh, James Taylor and all those. So I kind of grew up with that stuff back in the late '60s, early mm-hmm. '70s when I was a kid. And um, so, but you know, I, I picked up on bluegrass and country. Uh, early, like like early when I started playing, I, like when I was a kid, I really didn't listen to a whole lot of it. Uh, my dad knew he, he was he was a fan of a few different country, but he was very eclectic in his listening uh, too. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so I I just kind of like started playing, and I'm, I kind of gravitated a lot more towards country music. Right now, if I'm going to do cover music, uh, most of the time I'll sing old Merle Haggard or Johnny Cash mm-hmm. or and, mm-hmm. and along those lines. Um, so, but See, I'll, I'm, I'm you only know. in the country now too. I never like. I'm like this guy named Kenny Chesney. I'm sure you know who he is. But who's that? Um, Kenny Chesney. Oh, Kenny Chesney. There you have it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's been around a long time. He does. He kind of drew me in. I actually hated country music for most of my life. It's the music mm-hmm. I played when I was falling asleep in my car, and I, I need to stay awake. I blare that at my car, cause, but now I love it. It's all I play. I think it drives my, my kids and my wife crazy. Like, what happened? You used to play rap and rock <laughs> and R&B, and now you're like got a straw hat country hat. I'm like, hey, I, I call it the soundtrack of life, country music, because it really talks about life. Um, right, so. and I'm in kind of that movement of, of, of uh, classic and traditional country, of you know, a real, yeah. there is a sound. There's a certain sound that that is is the traditional sound, and I love that traditional sound. And I kind of hate when it, when people start, you know, hicking it up, hip hop. They like the hip hop and the, I mean, yeah. you know, if you like hip hop, go listen to hip hop. Don't you know? Don't don't put a twang exactly. on it and, and call it country. So well, um, I told you. So I'm in that kind of that movement. I told you check out the guy Mac McAnally because he reminds me of you. I think he's in um, Jimmy Buffett's band. He's a great songwriter. You should check him out. Um, What's the name again? Mac McAnally. M A C K. Yep, Mac McAnally. M C Mac and then M C N A L L Y. Um, okay. But it's good. It's good having you on today. Um, I got got an hour show here. Thanks for coming and talk to me, Mark. I love hearing all your stories, and I'm gonna keep listening to your music and. Hopefully, if I go out to markzeus.com and check out his stuff, see him on Facebook Live, and uh, thanks again, and and I'll see you around on Facebook, man. Maybe I'll get to see your music live one day. All right, sounds good, Billy. Have have a good one, man. Have 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 a bunch of great shows here for the rest of this lockdown. Yeah, we'll keep keep going with it. Thanks, man. Take care. You got it. Take care, buddy. Bye. Bye. So that's it for another day on Hug It Out America Radio. Next week we have Major Payne. This guy's had a lot of pain in his life, and he's going to talk about some really bad situations, but he's gotten through it in the most positive, loving guy I've ever met. It'll be an amazing conversation hearing all the stuff that he's been through, but yet he's survived and come up such an amazing person. So y'all have a good day and have a great weekend, and remember, Hug It Out America. Take care.